it's really interesting to see where all these biomaterials are going. At Alcova, that we keep referencing, we saw the first entirely compostable chair that is indeed, again, a finished commercial product. It's injection molded from PLA derived from corn and hemp fibers. And even the cushions, the upholstery is made from hemp-based foam. That's Gemma Roberti, Head of Interiors at WGSN, and she's discussing the strong focus on materials at this year's Milan Design Week. You're listening to the WGSN Create Tomorrow podcast, and this is the final episode in our four-parter on the latest trends from the annual design and furniture fair in Milan. We dive into the rich fascination with materials that was apparent this year and speak to the co-creators of a fully compostable hemp chair, and hear about a plastic alternative that can detect UV levels in sunlight. Joining me for this four-part series on Milan is Lisa White, Director of Interiors and our Creative Director, and Gemma Roberti, our Head of Interiors. So let's hear first from Lisa White as she talks about this focus on materials. I really felt this year that the material was the message, and we've got an increasingly strong look at material diversity for future design and for business strategies as well, too. And then, of course, you know, the importance of sustainable, circular and regenerative materials in all of the industries that we cover. And especially now that we're in an era of climate extremes and trying to live in more extreme weather situations. But there was really um, a huge amount of innovations in both new and old materials, um, particularly. And the stone library made of ultra thin slices of volcanic stone from Mexico um, that was put together by David Pompa. It was fascinating and super well designed as well to the library itself. You walked in there like, I want to know everything about this. But the new materials that are being developed are almost all Earth-friendly, and some of them are really going to be able to help us live more comfortably on Earth. The one that really struck me was the crafting plastics, the Sense Biome 2 installation at Alcova, and they had biopolymer lattices that change color depending on your exposure to sunlight. And obviously, on a rapidly warming planet, this type of preventative material is going to help people become more aware of the natural forces that will shape our future and our daily lives. Plus, it was really eye-catching and aesthetic and it reminded me of something that Isi Miyake would have loved to have been involved in. Yeah, and it looks so fantastic in Alcova, hanging like this mobile. You can see it on our videos as well because it was so eye-catching. And actually, we caught up with the Crafting Plastics co-founder, Vlasta Kubashova, who talked about this innovation and how it might evolve and develop even into wearable wearable pieces. So let's have a listen. So this installation uh, is uh, one of the first outcome on our uh, research on interactive biomaterials. We are doing this together with the uh, Dumolab research at the University of Pennsylvania. And we are basically trying to uh, explore if it's possible to create materials that uh, are that can inform us about the invisible threats around us that we cannot see by naked eyes. And if we can basically make the invisible visible somehow. So this project uh, particularly uh, uh, track the UV uh, level. Yep. And uh, based on the uh, change of the color, anyone could basically know and understand what's the actual UV exposure right now. And so I can see different colors. Have you done that to sort of show the difference rather than they actually are telling us what what the air is like at the moment. Yeah, so you when you see the difference in the color, it means that the sun is shining and basically in the real time it changed 
towards a, a specific color and then according to the color guidelines that we created you could say what's the uh, what's the UV uh, current UV level and especially in Milan it's a big issue because this is uh, one of the uh, uh, one of the cities in, in Europe where the UV exposure goes very uh, high but when you were asking about the other colors these are to show like this kind of materials could be also like a color program to, to different variety of uh, color tones. So it could have uh, plenty of uh, application, not just as an installation, but uh, even in a, in a product sphere. So that's what it would work probably. So do you see it more in products than um, architecture? Or is it something that could be integrated in architecture? In architecture? So in architecture, we really uh, see it as a part of interior design. So maybe uh, as a piece for a foyer and in a building so where people can really go around and before they go out, they see what the UV level is. But when we talk about products, it could be even a small jewelry piece or something that we wear. And then, then we are basically constantly aware what's going on around us. So wearable art yeah. in a way. Okay. And how long has it taken you to develop this? So we've been working on our bioplastics uh, that are part of this installation for more than six or seven years. And the interactive part, the, the project started one and a half year ago. Okay. And what, um, what have you taken from to create the bioplastic? What's the source raw materials? So it's a, a PHA-based blend. Uh, so there are polyhydroxyalkanides. And they are mixed with other biopolymers depending on the, on the application and on the technology that we want to use. So we are creating uh, 3D uh, filaments, uh, but also uh, sheets for furniture. So our aim in a studio is to create materials that are for durable use, but they are still biodegradable in the end. So it will have a full um, end of life and its circular design system. Okay, have you had a lot of interest while you've been showing? Yes, I have to say uh, people really enjoy uh, seeing it just as it is. And then when they um, get all the information about what it actually does, uh, it is kind of magical for them because it's somehow scary that materials are telling you that the surrounding uh, uh, is not really uh, uh, healthy uh, for us. So in this way, we are trying to not scare uh, the people, but rather show that we, could, we should be aware of something uh, that's happening around us and just don't forget that uh, it's not just us here and we have to take care about how, how the future will look like. How quick is the process of making the sheets? Is it, is it quite, yeah. So we are 3D printing the sheets uh, in a flat uh, uh, shape and then uh, the inner blend, the interactive blend is made of uh, cellulose and uh, seaweed uh, composites with the photogrammatic ingredients. So it's, uh, I don't know, I would say maybe like a day uh, to, to make it uh, as you can see it. Yeah. So in a way, it reminds me of the way wood and objects patina anyway in the sun, but this is actually telling us something useful and it's, it's kind of uh, indicating something that's of use to people. Oh, it's really interesting. Thank you very much. Thank you too. So that was Vlasta Kubashova talking all about the Plastic Sense Biome 2 installation at Alcova. Biomaterials were a huge thing this year, Milan Design Week, and for many different regions of the world. Lisa, I think you and I, we both love the Atelier Luma exhibition. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, the, the Luma Foundation is a really huge and inspiring arts and design foundation. And they've featured materials that were grown and developed in their area of Arles, in the Camargue region of France. 
And those were often residuals from, you know, the local rice and olive production in the area or the seaweed and the salt from the salt marshes. And in a really interesting kind of juxtaposition, in a completely different geographical region, the Earthy Crafts Council also featured a biomaterials library made from their local materials, such as sand and salt and palm leaves from the UAE. Yeah, I love this kind of like hyper-local sense of creation. Like you don't you don't extend long supply chains. You try and make everything, which really came through in that Luma Foundation. Those panels made from rice straw were just so beautiful. It was fantastic. Gemma, what were some of the innovative materials that you noticed this year? For instance, there was this kombu textile that Lisa and I discussed. It's um, an architectural textile that is lab-grown from kombucha tea. And it features these beautiful origami pleats that make it very flexible, very lightweight, but also quite decorative. And the concept aims to prove that living and sustainable origami structures can benefit human habitats on but also off the earth. So actually, the textile was sent to an international space station. And in general, I think what is really cool about this is that it's a well-achieved product. It doesn't look or feel like a concept or an experimentation. Like sometimes these material explorations can be. You could you could say the same about what we saw around the city or at Salone Satellite, the platform for uh, young talent at the fairground. So many great young designers that are working really hard, actually, to propose practical, commercially viable products, really aiming to answer that growing awareness around the need for actionable solutions rather than airy concepts, if you want. We saw an amazing young Korean designer that worked with an engineered wood architectural material that is made from the waste from producing uh, plywood and LVT. And he finds a way to use this material. Actually, again, it's very practical, quite decorative furniture uh, because the material is beautifully textured. Or a Japanese design lab called Honoka that developed a new material by mixing biodegradable resin with discarded tatami materials. And this can be 3D printed into to very contemporary, very modern looking new furniture and decor. So it's really interesting to see where all these biomaterials are going. At Alcova, uh, that we keep referencing, we see we saw the first entirely compostable chair that is indeed, again, a finished commercial product. It's injection molded from PLA derived from corn and hemp fibers. And even the cushions, the upholstery is made from hemp-based foam. It, it's quite intriguing to see this beautiful finished product and knowing the narrative, the materials research that goes behind it. Yeah, in fact, we caught up with the Brooklyn-based fabricators who worked on this chair with the San Francisco designers Prowl Studio. And they're experts in, ex in exploring biomaterials. And they had some really interesting things to say, not only about this product, but that they are also looking for other alternatives to things like plywood and, and building materials in the future. So let's have a listen to what they have to say about this. I'm Emily from Veritate, a biomaterial fabrication company in Bushwick, Brooklyn. We focus on working with emerging natural materials and making our own natural materials from local hemp from upstate New York. Um, at the Milan Alcova show, we collaborated with Prowl from San Francisco and M4 Factory uh, from Chicago. M4 is the manufacturer for the hemp-based PLA chair body. Prowl designed the concept of the chair, of the compostable, fully compostable hemp chair. We created 
the hemp cushion material and method for manufacturing, as well as the 60 feet of curtains that line the install space, which are also made from hemp and algae biopolymer. How, what's the process of making these curtains? I'm just having a feel of them, the process. Oh, the process. So they feel a bit like plasticky-ish, but they don't look plastic. They look kind of, I'm just describing it for the listener. They kind of look brown and quite, actually quite soft the way they drape, even though they, when you feel them, they're a little bit plasticky. But how do you make, how do these get made? I call it a goo. I love a goo, a biomaterial goo. <laughs> exactly. So it's made from the smallest particle size of hemp that I could find, really, um, without giving too much detail. And it's in an algae polymer matrix. So it's a liquid. Um, it's pourable. It's sprayable. So it's very um, conducive to additive manufacturing. So there's no offcuts or no waste. Similar to how we make the cushions, we create a molded fiber casing of hemp fiber and then we spray our hemp biomaterial we call it hemp leather on top so if you take a look here we have let's the- just describe this because the display's got kind of like <laughs> sure. earth and then it's got blocks yeah. of hemp which look a bit blocks of hempcrete so that's hempcrete, lime yeah. binder with hemp herd and water to make these bricks which are really good for insulation actually in home building um and then buried or coming out of the earth, we've got elements of the chair. So um, tell me about this. So I can see the mold. So you yeah. Sort of so we have the hemp body, The sorry, the hemp chair body, which is the hemp PLA by M4 factory. And then the cushions are also in here. And the concept is to show that the chair is fully compostable and like from the earth back to the earth. Um, in a six-month time frame in an industrial compost facility. And the cushions are similar to that of like an orange peel composting. Um, So that's a little bit less of a time frame and in home compost. So there's two different ways of the object um, composting, either industrially or home compostably. And that's why it separates with the grommets so you can take it apart and um, transition your cushion season to season or whatever. Um, But the way we make the cushion is that we spray the bio leather on top of loose hemp fiber okay so and the hemp fiber is yeah. kind of like a stuffing it's like a soft mattress stuffing. yeah it's its own wow. cushion yeah. you know when we started the project we were thinking about foam in the most traditional traditional sense which is like aerated polymer like aerated polyurethane kind stuff of, like yeah, that yeah. but you know hemp is so magical in the sense that it's kind of cushiony in itself we don't have to like reinvent the wheel of how we make things anymore um, we can just use the natural fiber and encase it, and you know you got a cushion in a in a more healthy way. There's yeah. no like off-gassing polymers, none of that here. That's yeah. really interesting. It's funny. I, I was talking with former Phantasma about their project for Tashini, which is trying to do the same thing with purely with wool, oh, sure. and there is this real. Uh, exploration happening with materials about how to get these soft forms in furniture away from um, like petrol based and it's just yeah. really interesting to see it as, as the hemp. It's all about encasing the soft form in something that could be touched by the consumer you know you don't it's similar actually to how um, horsehair cou- couches were made sort yeah, of like that instead that. of like upholstery you're you're spraying on material. That's so interesting and hemp really does seem to be a bit of a wonder material it really is. It's incredibly strong. It's incredibly regenerative for the earth. Um, you can make 
I'm a big proponent of hemp. You know, you can make anything under the sun from it if you do it in the right way, if you manipulate it in the right way. Um, we work with local CBD and THC farms to collect their waste. So these chairs, in, well, the chairs are, the chair body is made from the herd, industrial herd hemp, and the cushions are made from fiber actually from the Midwest because we're not yet able to separate the herd from the fiber from upstate. But we work with these wonderful farmers in St. Louis and all over the Midwest. And are you working with any other biomaterials? You said that you are yeah. a, in a general biomaterial kind yeah. of fabricator. So what other things are you seeing coming through? So we are really interested in how we can repurpose waste, local or not. We were working on a project. We were, we were taking grape residue and olive leaf residue and we created... It's hard to say what to call it, like leather, bio-leather material. alternative we like to call right. it. Right. Yeah. Um, with grape and olive residue, we have a project coming in using agave waste from a tequila factory. Um, those, are the, those are the two key projects. But our main sort of focus is creating an alternative for MDF, or particle board, from hemp. So that's how the project Veritate got started from the very beginning. We were looking for alternative packaging materials for a client, and we started growing mycelium on CBD stock waste. And then we kind of looked around us, because we, we grew out of Learform, an art services company in Brooklyn, and they, we do large-scale arts installation, we do a lot of crating, and you don't think about these things as single-use objects, but they go A to Z, and usually they're tossed. Um, and they're custom made, so the crates usually get tossed or they sit in storage. Uh, and th that's made out of petroleum-based products that we also don't think about, which is MDF, OSB board, MDO board, plywood, has a lot of uh, fossil fuel adhesives between the layers. So we asked the question, how can we make these durable goods that people don't think about when they think about fossil fuel plastics or single-use objects um, healthier? And we look to hemp because not only is it a very like great waste resource, but it could be um, a raw material resource that's also really good for the earth. So it's kind of like a double whammy. Grow more hemp. Grow more hemp from hemp. You can make planters. Yeah, yeah. That was Emily Gordon, and she's the design director of Veritat. And they work together with Prowl Studio and M4 on creating the fully compostable hemp chair. And what about the old is new view on materials, Gemma? Yeah, I mean, rather than seeing a lot of newness, I would say that old staple materials really continue to remain very central to the conversation and they find new contemporary ways of expression. Wood, for instance, was everywhere. We know it's, you know, the material that embodies nature, craft, sustainability, ancestral references. But there was so much beautiful, amazing surface work or stone and marble, often prioritizing the actual waste from manufacturing other products in it, but paired with industrial, quite rough metals, so creating this very intriguing contrast. Glass and ceramic, also uh, very heritage materials, but really worked in very expressive ways, celebrating the texture, the effects that can be achieved with them. I would also argue that there's still some work that could be done around sustainability versus Instagrammability, because something else that we saw everywhere was lacquer and resins. But actually, there was not a real answer when discussing the sustainability aspect of it. 
So I would argue that glass definitely has a lot of room to take the place of resin, to deliver on that tinted transparency gloss. There was so many really interesting things to see, so many products that were using recycled glass glazes or playing with the reflections creating by poured, cast, molten techniques. I think there's a lot of opportunity to shift from one material to this more creative expression with glass as well. And, you know, speaking of glass, I really love the innovation going on with glass. And we have that in our video um, from the foray. And that Paul Coxhedge design at Wonder Glass with clear, transparent glass, no color, that took on beautifully nuanced color palettes in front of a clear, transparent light that was tuned to interact with the glass. It was super magical how you can create a stained glass effect and a color effect just through tech and glass. Yes, I think we were all fascinated by Paul Coxedge's installation at Wonderglass. I think particularly because none of us could figure out the actual science behind the magic. It was really spellbinding. So thanks to Lisa White and Gemma Roberti. That's a wrap for our four-parter on Milan Design Week Trends. It's such an important event when it comes to innovation and design, so we hope this has given you a taster. You can find more from our interiors team on our Instagram feed at WGSN and also our interiors platform on our subscribers' website, wgsn.com, where many of the trend analyses reports on Milan are now live. If you want to find out how to subscribe, head over to wgsn.com to discover how you can get access to our service. We're constantly publishing new content focusing on how we can design a brighter, better future for our industries. And these now include food and drink, interiors, beauty, fashion and consumer tech. You can subscribe to the show on all major podcast platforms. And if you'd like what you've heard, why not leave us a rating and review on iTunes? For more forecasting from WGSN, look out for our Lives of Tomorrow podcast, hosted by Carla Buzashi, our CEO. In the next episode, she speaks to Helen Edwards, author, columnist and academic. And that one is all about the future of marketing. <laughs>